Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for dropping in. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Dustin, and this is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. A couple of things, uh, contextualizing this uh, episode number 190, almost to 200. Um, This is with Andy Ross. Uh, He is a actually the American rebel Andy Ross, who is a uh, TV show host of a outdoor network channel uh, show called Maximum Archery. It's kind of actually one of the first uh, archery uh, or actually hunting programs there were out there. So I am uh, got him on the show. But what I really want to do is sort of contextualize a little bit about um, around 26 minutes in this episode, uh, Andy has to go and uh, grab a uh, new charger for his phone. And so I took that as an opportunity to let everybody know about my uh, ex-brother-in-law, Brian Kranz, who uh, is struggling with cancer right now. And Brian, if you're a, if you're a Supercross fan, um, Brian was uh, Eli Tomac's mechanic for 11 years. Followed him from uh, Honda uh, over to Kawasaki, and then you know uh, retired from that. But he came down with cancer, and uh, Eli Tomac set up a GoFundMe for him. And then I talk about that uh, at 26 minutes. So there will be a link to the GoFundMe in the uh, description of this episode. Uh, anywhere that I do uh, put links up, that will be a part of it. Um, yeah, and then also, too, if you look down below right here um, that I have scrolling across underneath me, I am going to be doing podcast production, uh, editing, all of the things, podcasting, consultations. If you're a business out there, if you're an, an individual and have a business, uh, if you want to add podcasting as a part of your marketing plan, uh, it's a great idea. It actually helps to solidify you as a expert in your whatever industry, whatever it is that you're talking about, whatever your niche is. Adding a podcast can help uh, sort of put you as a uh, expert in whatever it is that you're talking about. So if that's something that is of interest to you or you just, you know, maybe you have a podcast and you've fallen flat and maybe you need somebody to take a look at what you're doing. And if I think that I can help you out or improve upon what you already have, um, feel free to hit the link below, set up a uh, free 30 minute consultation call and uh, we can discuss all that stuff. We can explore what you're doing and how I might be able to help you. Uh, what else is there other than that? Hey, do me a favor, subscribe, uh, to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're looking at this on, uh, Facebook, if it's there, go ahead and, uh, hit like all the things that you need to do. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening to this on anchor or any of the podcast platforms, do me a favor and subscribe or rate and review the show. That's always a, a help. It's always a plus. And also, if you are, I'm coming back over to here. Uh, I don't have my website up yet, but if you go to my link tree, and that's the the website below there, go to my link tree, everywhere that the show is, all of my social media platforms, all the things that we're doing, Rumble, uh, YouTube, all that stuff is going to be right in my link tree. Uh, Some of the episodes of, of, shows that i've been on like the leap podcast i did a great three-part series over there that's right at the top of my link tree too as well so you can listen to all three of those uh episodes it's a really detailed uh 
dive into my story uh, with a mental health counselor. So that's what Susan Casey is. Leap Podcast. Check that out. Um, but yeah, the, the link tree has all the stuff and all the places and spaces that you can find the show. You can even support the show monetarily. Uh, there's a merchandise store. Um, there's a Patreon, although I haven't done much over on Patreon. There's a lot, a lot of legs to having a podcast. So uh, if I can help you in any way as a business or a person to figure out what your um, goals are uh, in, in wanting to do a podcast, go ahead and hit me up. Uh, and check out the link tree to all the work that I've done. And uh, maybe we might be a good fit. Other than that, uh, hey, keep it 100. Keep it 100. Uh, stay true to yourself. Everything else. Is- Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug. God, hey, when that happens. Hey, it's worth hearing twice. Clay it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, enough people know about my story. Um, we're here to hear about your story, man. So thank you. Uh, let's shout out to uh, your publicist for setting us up. Okay, yeah. Anna and all the great people, Keith and Ann and Zach, all the great people over there at Burning Ground, they do a great job. They put us on a lot of shows and really help us promote uh, our concerts and events and, and press. So, yeah, have to, uh, shout out to them for sure. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for that. Um, and so let's get into you. You're a, a singer-songwriter. You've uh, been on some TV shows. You had a 10-year run with uh, your your archery channel or, or show that you did over on uh, the Outdoor Network. Uh, so let's just get into you. Tell me a little bit about you, brother. So, uh, you know, I grew up in a small town uh, called Chanute, Kansas. Uh, ended up moving to Kansas City when I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, you know, I've been really blessed to turn a lot of my uh, passions and, and hobbies into businesses and, and into success. Um, I, I was an avid bow hunter, loved bow hunting, loved the outdoors. I started making some bows kind of as a hobby at first. And, uh, you know, over time we started selling quite a few bows. But the thing that was going on at the time, the, the hunting TV, outdoor TV, was really popular. Um, great shows, you know, Michael Waddell and Lee and Tiffany and, and Ralph and Vicky and just all kinds of great shows. And, and uh, we really needed to get somebody to shoot the bow on TV. But all of the uh, TV personalities already had contracts with bow companies and, and you know, relationships. So... Uh, couldn't get it done. So 
anyway, I got a guy to come film a couple of my hunts. We filmed four hunts, made a little DVD, edited it all together, put it in the box with the bows. And, you know, that was, that was my best effort at it because like I said, I couldn't get anyone to shoot the bow on, on TV at the time. And, uh, the network got over the DVD and the next thing, you know, I know they're calling me, asking me if I want to do a show. So now I'm making bows, obviously shooting my, my own bow on the show. And, uh, little did I know I've bow hunt the world on outdoor TV for 10 years, but, uh, it was a great time. And, uh, I got to, you know, be in a lot of great places, do a lot of things I never thought I'd get to do, but we were working hard, man. We were, we were in the woods and traveling. We were, we were in the outdoors seven months a year. And then we were doing, uh, things like the Iowa deer classic, great American outdoor show, those type of events, you know, when we weren't hunting. So it was a, it was a full-time plus you know, gig for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, you were actually making the bows. You were using the bow on that show. And so that was a great marketing tool, right? Yeah. yeah, like I ended up selling the bow company. And when I sold the bow company, part of the agreement was, is that they would uh, sponsor me and endorse me back to the company and that I continued to do the show for another three years. So that's how I ended up doing the show for 10 years. Sweet. And so what what else have you have you done? You you have quite an extensive uh, the thing that you sent or that your your publicist sent of, of yeah. the some of your accomplishments. So a singer songwriter country. Uh, any like what can you direct me to or the the audience to of some of the things that you've like some of your most uh, yeah. Well, how that how that whole thing came about. So I'm gonna step back to the TV show for just a second because everything just kind of kind of rolled from from uh the, the previous deal so i'm doing this show i'm about four years into the show at the time it was called maximum archery but about four years into it i noticed that all these x games um were getting really exciting what kids were doing with with uh bmx bicycles and skateboards and motocross and and uh the, the video games that they were playing were starting to get really realistic and had a lot of activity to them and i told my cameraman mike osborne i said you know kids are not gonna want to be bow hunters it's not as exciting as some of the stuff they're doing if every week you know if every day they turn on the tv and they just see me you know going hey it's tuesday we're at kansas wins out of the west you know we got to make this we got to make this more we got to make this look more fun and really uh, step up our game. So I changed the name from Maximum Archery to Maximum Archery World Tour. I took all the dates and the locations and the species we were hunting, put them all in a straight line on the back of a t-shirt, like an old Van Halen concert shirt or Journey concert shirt. And we had this idea that we weren't going to have a hunting show. We were going to have a show about a group of guys cameraman production me as the host and hunter that are actually on a tour filming the hunt show so it was really reality tv before i even knew what that name meant mm -hmm. um and the show was three segments long and it used to be three segments of hunting well now it became two segments of the travel of the nightlife of the almost trouble we got into on a regular basis Pulling over to a small town and doing laundry. We were moving our gear in road cases. We were in a tour bus. Um, and it was it was like a tour, like a big band tour, except 
it was a hunting tour, not a music tour. Well, I could play, and uh, I thought I could sing and write a little bit, and I thought, well, you know, what this what would be cool is if we added some music to this, because now it's Maximum Archery World Tour. So I wrote some songs uh, that we put on the show, like Gotta Go Hunting Blues, Hunt Me Down, Sport Your Local Wildlife, Blood Trail on a Whitetail, and <laughs> these songs were songs but they were really they were really built around the show and the campfire and the the the, the opening number to the intro the credits were rolling in and out of commercials and we were using this rocky or country rock originals if you will mm-hmm. then um all of a sudden itunes comes out and digital file sharing and, and all the, you know, started to get into these digital formats. And I'm at the Iowa Deer Classic signing autographs and posters and DVDs. And there's a pretty nice line. And uh, these these smartphones had come out. And I've mm-hmm. still, I was still operating the flip top, but the smartphones had come out. And these, these guys were in the line with their phone up in the air. They had my song, Blood Trail on a Whitetail. They had my song on their phone. And, uh, I had made, uh, you know, I had some, some shoe ins to make the, the music because a lot of the country artists and people in country music are hunters. So there was a lot of, I had a lot of national touring, you know, big time artists, people that actually watched my show and had reached out to me over some time. Mm. So I'd worked with, uh, with a producer by the name of Doug Grau to record these hunting songs and. I didn't think of it as a music career. I thought it just made the show a little, a little more fun. Yeah. Um, but these kids got my music on their phone and I said, how did you, um, when they got up to finally, I said, how did you get my music on your phone? And they said, well, we went to iTunes, but it wasn't there. So we took it off your website. So when I got a break, I called Doug Grau back in Nashville. I wasn't even living here in Nashville yet. And uh, I said, hey, these, these kids have my music on their phone, and they said they would have bought it if it had been on iTunes, but they couldn't find it on iTunes. Can you, could we get those songs on iTunes? And he said, Andy, if they'll buy that music, they'll buy a real album of music. Why don't you come to Nashville and let's make a record? So now I'm off making a record. I put out the You Ain't Seen Crazy Yet record. Uh, then we did an album called Cold Dead Hand in which a song off that, uh, the title track song off that, uh, landed across uh, the ears of Danny, the Count, off of Counting Cars. Mm. And uh, he wanted to build me the Second Amendment muscle car, so he had me on his show. And uh, it was called Rocked and Loaded. And, I mean, when that thing came out, when that show came off, stuff just started, all kinds of music started going viral and downloading and tour requests and... um, so, you know, at, we followed that up with Time to Fight, uh, the Time to Fight album, and then we're now working on the fourth album called Lucky to Be Alive. Um, we're in the studio, you know, almost, you know, weekly here as we just, you know, in this process right now to put out the fourth record. So, so I was making some bows, videoed some hunts, got an offer to do a TV show, start doing music on the TV show. Then the... Uh, the music takes off. So after 10 years of doing the show, I have to kind of choose between continuing to do the show or touring the music. And I'd done the show for 10 years and I was more excited. After- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would have chose the same thing. I know this from, uh, from, 
from personal experience, typically, not every time, but typically the women at a concert are a little bit uh, prettier than the girls in hunting camp. Now, not every time, but, uh, you know, I'm a single guy, so uh, so we chased after that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, where we set today, I had a song out in 2015 called American Rebel. It was off the, uh, the Time to Fight record. And it went kind of viral as a patriotic anthem. And we decided to build a brand around product, uh, concealed carry products. And we made handgun boxes and started making full size gun safes. And, uh, as of February of this year of 22, uh, we are now a uh, publicly traded company on Nordstrom. Sweet, yeah. So we've went from bow hunter to getting to make music to to continuing, obviously, to make music and CEO of a publicly traded company. Wow, that's uh, quite a story, and especially you know, how the progression of it is just, you know, one opportunity led to another opportunity to another opportunity to another opportunity. <clears throat> yeah. And a lot of times, you know, people are, are trying to find, you know, whatever that secret sauce is, right. It's how, how am I going to get this? Or how am I going to go viral? Or how am I going to do? You can't plan none of that. It just, no. it just has to happen. In fact, every it, it's like you just said, most things that I planned, didn't necessarily work out, but, but while I was pursuing that, something else, uh, you know, just kind of came in the side door. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking I would really do a TV show. I was trying to make bows. I didn't think when I made some music on the show that I'll be, you know, playing the NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway and big festivals. And I didn't think when I wrote a song, uh, it would land me on counting cars. And I didn't think, you know, the song American Rebel, I mean, I was in hopes it would become a patriotic anthem, of course, but I didn't know when we started to build a brand around it. I thought, yeah, we'll build a, you know, we'll build some products around it to help support the, the revenue. It's yeah. not going to be a publicly traded company on NASDAQ and, and, uh, you know, flying out to Manhattan and New York two and three times a, a year and, you know, learning all the things I've had to learn to do this job. So, it's a it's an ongoing learning process, but it, it, one thing has just kind of sparked the next thing. But I think that's you know I think that has to do with with uh, you know whatever you do, do it the best you can and 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 be active. Nothing really, uh, nothing that amazing happens from sitting at home. I got to be out doing something and making something happen, and you know. You got to go looking for those opportunities, or at least you got to put yourself out somewhere where those opportunities can accidentally find you. Uh, you know, that's not going to happen from my, my living room. So, uh, I had the, I had the, uh, ability to be out, you know, I was out at trade shows and then I was out doing events and I was traveling and, and, uh, I just kept, uh, you know, as I said, I've been really blessed to turn a lot of passions into, into success. Yeah. And, and I think that that's it, right? You got to find something. And I, I try, I've tried to do that as well. Uh, like drones, you know, uh, drones where I was playing around with them, they were hobbies. And then I, you know, they came out with the, uh, F, uh, 107 license to fly commercially and be able to charge people to do that. I decided to do that, turn it into a, a business. And then 2020 kind of hit and well, you know, a lot of things changed, uh, for that. But I mean, it was, you know, I think the 
Yeah, I think, you know, just, just having a team really, you know, when whenever it is you try to do something, that really helps. Because a lot of times I, I've been trying to do things on my own and there's just so, there's not enough hours in the day and, you know, the things that I don't know, I mean, that's, I guess, what you would, you know, hire somebody to to do the things that you, you can't. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, though, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a lot about, you know, hunting and stuff like that. I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I, that's how I got my start in podcasting through listening to Rogan. And he's an avid hunter. And I listened to him a lot about Cam Haynes and, you know, Steve Rinella, a huge meat eater fan. Uh, that's a great show. Uh, that's like the newer version of, of, of what we were doing. Cause you were early in the game yeah. Um, with, with all that. So, I mean, there's been tons of, uh, you know, I think technology in that, in that, uh, industry has really pushed things, um, you know, pushed the envelope on, you know, from supplies to products to, you know, even the gear that they're using these days are just top of the line. Um, so my question is, tell me your philosophy around around hunting because every hunter has a philosophy and and what they do and how they're connected to the land and the food which most of us aren't connected to that right the the i would love to hunt but it's you know hey i'm a, I'm a felon so the only way i'm going to be able to hunt is either with a bow or or a crossbow and i don't even know if that's legit um I've started growing my own food, um, you know, vegetables and stuff like that. Started that process and connecting myself to, yeah. to that that type of food. I mean, I think everybody needs to to start there um, and see how that feels. So, tell me about what it's like for you uh, to be able to 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 get your own food. Yeah, you know, hunting hunting started out um, very much the way you're you're describing and the question you're asking. Um, you know, I started hunting as a kid. I did upland and, and uh, upland bird hunting, waterfowl. Um, I got into archery. Um, my whole show was archery, you know, maximum archery, world tour. Everything we did was archery. Um, and it, you know, it got to a point where, um, you know, if you're hunting in Canada or you're hunting moose in the Yukon, you can't really, you can, but there's really no, economical at all to like fly your meat home yeah. and we're not going home we're going to the next hunt now because we're making tv we're going hunt to hunt to hunt mm -hmm. and um so what we got into was participating heavy in an organization called hunters for the hungry and just about everywhere we went um we were able to donate you know to hunters for the hungry and uh you know, you'd be surprised. I, I, the first time I saw this, I was down in Alabama on a deer hunt and there's actually like where you go get your hunting license and stuff. There's actually a, a bulletin board post of uh, people that say we need food. And, uh, if you, you don't even have to, to pay to, you know, process the deer. If you just gut it and drop it on our porch, we would love to have it. Um, hmm. so you really got connected to, um, I mean, I, I, hunted so much i could never begin to eat everything um you know that we were taken down so we were heavily heavily involved in hunters for the hungry and yeah, a lot super of super cool yeah and a lot of the a lot of the processors like let's just say it was 150 dollars to process a deer the processor there's always processors in the area that say look we'll do it for 75 you you put in 75 we'll donate 75 so you know, 
we're both in it for 75 bucks. We'll process it. We'll get it to the, to the food kitchens and where it needs to go. Uh, the $75 I'd kick in would, you know, just help with the, some of the expenses and stuff that they had to do it, but they were basically donating their time to process it if we would donate it. And, and, uh, we helped establish that. I mean, even in areas where if they didn't have it, we were able to talk to some people and get it going. So we were, we were real big into that. That's really important now is that we're seeing that, you know, I mean, I know you're not doing it now, but I mean, I'm sure that that organization and what they're doing has gotten bigger with all the other, you know, shows and, and, you know, people that, you know, can't necessarily, um, you know, eat all the meat that they, that they kill. Yeah. Um, so my next question would be for you, what, so when you watch some of these shows, you see some hairy situations that people get into, like some of the hunters get into with, you know, bears or, you know, any other type of, uh, wild animals that, that, you know, yeah. come around, come around, you know, a kill. What, do you have any uh, uh, stories of uh, near misses for yourself? Well, I, you know, I have a lot of, you know, so-called scary stories. I was the guy that hunted a lot of the dangerous game. I, I mean, I hunted grizzly bears with a bow. I did. I, I mean, we hunted mountain goats and and uh, I hunted a feral bullfighting bull in Mexico with a bow and sharks and and we did all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so, you know, we were always, uh, you know, we were always pushing the envelope. Um, but yeah, you can, you can, uh, you can get yourself hurt, you know, real easy and not just by the animal either. There's just, you know, when you're, when you take a float plane and get dropped on the McMillan river in the Yukon and you're staying in a trapper cabin, um, you know, they're, and, and, and they're not picking you up for 10 days, you know, in 10 days they're coming back. There's a lot, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, you know? You can, you can, uh, you know, you can cut yourself real bad. You can fall, you can twist a knee, um, you know, up in the mountains. I mean, there's just a lot of things, but I, I'd have to say, uh, I probably don't, uh, you know, I don't have any stories of where I got hurt so bad where they had to like life flight me out or anything like that. But, uh, we, we got bruised up and banged up and scraped up and cut up, you know, all the time. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, and that's one of the things, you know, when you're walking around out, you know, you're not wearing the right shoes or, you're the, you know, the right gear, yeah. uh, you know, and you, you sprain a knee or something like that. I mean, that could, that could end, especially if you're, if you're not going to be picked up. I mean, I imagine you got like some sort of a sat phone or something for emergencies, yeah. um, or, you know, emergency situation, but I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, that would be, that would be rough. We'd have a satellite phone and. And, you know, even if you got through and called it, if you had to, I mean, weather, you know, there were a lot of things that could prevent someone from getting right. And they certainly weren't going to come in at night. Yeah. So, you know, you just, it's, you know, you just have to be careful. I mean, we, we have a good time and we play around and we push the envelope a lot, but in, in situations like that, we were very, uh, we were very careful and very protective of ourselves and, uh, we didn't take many chances. So where can you find, can you find this like on old, uh, reruns or, or do they play this? Uh, where can I, where can I find this, this, uh, 10 years worth of, uh, episodes to check out? Well, it's, you know, I mean, I have it still on DVDs. I mean, this is how old it was, right? We were on DVD. A lot of the digital stuff, um, 
wasn't out. I mean, a lot of the, the YouTube channels and stuff like that hadn't really started up. That all just kind of came at the end. Um, but it is out there. It is archived. In fact, we've went through now, we went through all the episodes that I have on DVD and me and my cameraman, uh, Mike Osborne, we've kind of filmed us talking about them, kind of reliving them and then showing the footage, uh, almost like, uh, if you can imagine, say the cast of friends would have a reunion and they would sit around and talk maybe a little bit about a favorite episode and then they would show the episode. And so we're, we're, we're actually doing that to make it kind of new and, and putting it all onto a YouTube channel, uh, to get it out there. Cause I keep, we keep getting requests, you know, we didn't for a couple of years, but here lately we've just been getting a lot of requests of, you know, why aren't these episodes up on a channel and people are coming back around, I guess, uh, um, you know, I guess we got cool again. I don't know why the requests are coming in now, but. Like I can tell you why, because you can, you can binge watch on, uh, you know, the meat eater podcast. And once you finish the, your yeah. the meat eater show, once you're done with that, then there's nothing else for a whole nother year. So, I mean, that would be a, 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 a great addition to be able to, you know, if you were looking to watch the hunting stuff, which I never thought, since I don't hunt, I didn't think that I would be so interested in, in it, you know what I mean? But it just, I don't know. Ranella's show just sucked me in. I, and you know, actually it was when it, when I had COVID, I started watching that and then it just, I, he's, it's just so interesting, you know, just the different ways to hunt the different things that he does. I mean, he doesn't just hunt this, he fishes, he does, and he, then he cooks it too, which is, which is pretty yeah. cool. Hey, I, I do this to you to apologize, but for some reason, this charger I just plugged into is not charging. So I'm going to grab the other charger. Okay. If I'm just going to take a, a, a quick second here, um, and I'll be right back. Take yep, no worries. And so while he's doing that, I'm going to take a little bit of a uh, minute to uh, let everybody know uh, my ex-brother-in-law, who's my daughter's um, uncle, his name's Brian Kranz, and he is Eli Tomax, uh, or he was his mechanic for like 11 years. So anybody who follows Supercross... Um, and watched Eli Tomac. He, you know, won the 250 class and in, in, uh, in Supercross. Then he went up to 450s, and he was started with Honda. Then he went to Kawasaki. And Brian uh, followed him. It remained his uh, mechanic for the last uh, 11 years prior, and so that's the second longest uh, motorcycle or rider mechanic relationship uh, in Supercross uh, history. So, and the reason why I'm telling you this is that Eli, uh, set up a GoFundMe for Brian because Brian came down with, uh, cancer and Brian's only 40 years old. And so Eli decided to, um, you know, make a GoFundMe and I'll put the link to that in here. You know, he said some nice stuff. Uh, I was really, really heartfelt, um, you know, uh, thing that he wrote for brian and you know the first time that i i had read it my ex sent it to me and dude it put me into tears i know this guy I spent a lot of time with him uh family stuff um you know camping trips family uh holidays and stuff like that this dude's amazing an amazing father he has three little kids man and uh so i'm gonna leave the link up there you guys if you're interested in checking it out please help uh donate to this you know for whatever reason kawasaki uh, their, their medical 
stuff doesn't really cover a whole lot. So he's having to come out of uh, his pocket quite a bit for the uh, treatments and stuff. So I'll have the link in there and let's get back to uh, Andy Ross. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Uh, you know, cancer, man, it just seems to be uh, on the rise. A lot of people are getting it, dude. A lot like my generation, Generation X. I know five people that have cancer right now in my generation. Yeah, I it's it's hardly a day goes by, you know, that you don't hear. Um, and I think part of it has for me is the older I get, obviously, I've got older friends. So, um, you know, you're going to have more medical conditions with with uh, as you as you get older. But uh, I have, I've lost a bass player in my band to cancer. I've got a guitar player right now that's fighting cancer and moved back to his hometown and just, you know, happened to uh, uh, really battle it. Um, it's just you, you can't hardly uh, go through go through a week without mm. hearing this sad story. I'm sure sorry for your, uh, you know, your colleague and your friend there. And, uh, yeah. Good, good old time. Put that up and help him out. Yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, that's the least I can do. And I need to make another one. It's just, it, it's tough, man. Cause you, you, you know, every time I, every time I go to do it, 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 I just, I just, I, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm not ready to help. It's just that I'm not in the, in the emotional space to be able to do that without, you know, falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It's the. Uh... You know, I lost my father four years ago to, to cancer. When I was a kid, you know, I thought cancer was something that people got lung cancer because they smoked all their life. That's what I thought cancer was. Mm. I didn't I didn't know, you know, until I got a lot older that there were teen types of cancer and things happened to people for, uh, you know, I mean, don't even know what brought it on, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, it's it's a it's a terrible way to go. It's, 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 uh, you know, a, a, an effort of trying to get better. And you, you, you see friends and people struggling through the treatments. And, um, I just, I wish there, there'd be an answer soon. I'm sure someday there will be. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I know there, I, I, there's a lot in my industry that I work in, uh, mechanical insulation was the original asbestos was the, the thing that we worked with. You know what I mean? And so we have a lot of mesothelioma in our, um, in our trade, in our retirees and, and, you know, folks that have been exposed to that, not everybody, but you know, there's been, there's been quite a, quite a bit of it. And, uh, yeah, the MRNA, uh, technology was, was designed to help with that. And they just sort of piggybacked the, the last thing onto that <laughs> to make it whatever. But, um, that's really where the, where the technology was and they've been making a lot of uh, advances in it as, as well. So, and like every year we have a, 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 a golf tournament, it's called the Roger Hamilton mesothelioma tournament that we put on for our union. And so there's a couple of doctors that are on the front lines of mesothelioma and they come and they do a, uh, kind of like an update for everybody, you know, where the science is and, you know, the, 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 advances that they're making and where they're kind of at with it because a lot of that money that we raise for that goes directly to them for their research and stuff yeah yeah so i see also too and we're at 32 we're going to wrap up here uh momentarily here um but the one thing i do want to uh talk about is i see that you had patriot in your uh in in what you've uh sent to me 
Now, a lot of people are not wanting to claim that, uh, you know what I mean, in anything, uh, just because of the connotations of what it's become, you know, from the last uh, three years to the, you know, the infamous six, uh, January 6th thing, you know, I, I've been labeled a, a domestic terrorist just for some of the stuff that I talk about, which I mean, freedom. I mean, whoever thought that talking about freedom and freedom of speech and, and the, and, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with that, that's being challenged right now in our society and our, in our media all over the place. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a, a, a patriot pro constitution, uh, pro second amendment, big supporter of the second amendment. Um, you, you know, you're, you're right. It's, you bring things up in the certain, you know, in certain environments around certain groups of people and you, uh, you know, you can catch a little, a little slack for it, but, uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to defend the greatest country in the world. If you don't think we live in the greatest country in the world, just go live somewhere else for a while. Um, I'm going to defend it. I, I have freedom of speech. I have freedom to write music any way I want to write it. Um, I don't get my music censored. Um, you know, we have, we have, the best greatest country in the world and i'm going to stand up for it absolutely and i i would 100 percent agree that's the landscape is so much uh like just when you look around i mean i'm, I'm 48 so i was born in 73 which was around the time that you know vietnam war ended i think it ended for good in 75 but 73 they started pulling out and that's when all the stuff started happening and uh yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's really strange. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, documentaries and stuff, you know, like JFK and like the uh, Har- the Oswald uh, documentary and, and yeah. stuff like that. And it really seems like the, 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 the big change with everything happened after that day. You know, uh, the, when when Kennedy, when we lost Kennedy, I think we lost direction. Yeah, we went into a new direction with the neocons and and you know the 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 military industrial complex, which you know we were warned about by Eisenhower. Which is funny because he's he was you know he's warning us about something, but he was right in the thick of of getting us okay. up too. Yeah, so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting and a, a very thought out observation. Uh, but I, I hear what you're saying; that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've just been it 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 seems build on it. You know, when when we um, when we lose values and we lose, uh, pride and we lose, um, you know, our, our, our desire to speak out, then all of a sudden that becomes acceptable. And then in a few more years, it's like we get pushed back and pushed back into a, a bigger corner and a bigger corner. I was doing a, an interview on, uh, on the freedom XM and they asked me, cause I play a lot of patriotic festivals. I'm at by armed forces day weekend for our heroes uh, the freedom festival, you know, I play a lot of stuff like that. And I, and I was asked if, um, you know, if, if, if there were any of us left and the truth of the matter is now this is my opinion, but I, I still, I still believe we're the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just half of the people who feel this way won't stand up. So it looks like there are fewer of us out there than there are because a lot of a lot of people have just said you know what it's easier just to be quiet or uh i've got i've got people now and i'm sure this was the way with our parents and, and generations of parents but i mean i know um i know grown adults with 
teenage kids um, and maybe adults that are a little older than teenagers, young, you know, young, young adults. Um, but uh, there are kids still one way that this younger generation as parents, they decided, well, we just don't say anything about it at home because it upsets Todd or upsets Jenny or, you know, we don't want to argue with them. Um, and it was probably the same way, you know, when parents had adults through like the hippie generation and stuff, they, they probably were at odds with their kids. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I still think we're the majority. I just, I just think there's, uh, you know, people are, are not willing to stand up and talk about it and, you know, share their, their real feelings. Yeah. I think one of the, the reasons why it just, we haven't gotten, we, we haven't been made un that uncomfortable yet. Yeah. And the moment that happens, I think we're going to see a huge shift. And the, the, I think that the, um, what the FDA just put into whatever they did a couple of days ago, um, for the kids and, and adding that to the schedule there, the, the, that's not the end of that. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to see moms and parents, um, the moment that this actually starts getting rolled out because no, there's no uptake on it because no parents want it yeah. for their children. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, and I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but it's just the landscape is not recognizable anymore. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely got a different look and feel to it. That <laughs> So all I can, all I can hope for is that, you know, the, the folks out there that, you know, are for freedom and are for, you know, uh, being able to say things, even if, even if you don't agree with what somebody has to say, you know, the very fact that if they're going to say something that's stupid or, or not, uh, uh, intelligent or just way out there they should be able to say it because most people will recognize that okay whatever you yeah. know what i mean we should be able to make that decision of not you know of, of shaming that person not you know uh, the government or you know the social media companies who are acting on direct uh directed by the government yeah to do it and you know a lot of people might say oh yeah you don't have proof of that, but yes, there is proof of that. Alex Berenson actually sued Twitter for it, and and in and in and in the the lawsuit, the uh, the discovery ended up coming out that the government was the one that pushed him to do it. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an a, an interesting midterm election coming up here in uh, November, and then you know right after the midterms, I think the presidential debates and politics will start to, to heat up because we'll be two two years away from a presidential election so yeah uh, whether people want to i mean it's going to, once the midterms get here and the two years leading up to uh who's going to run for president and who's gonna you know uh, all those uh debates and all that start back yeah. up it's it's the political uh it's the political season you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's it's it's more people are paying attention to it and stuff so we'll We'll soon find out if uh, um, people are willing to, to stand up and, and where our country uh, where our country leads. Yeah, well, actually, we'll, we'll be able to see what what uh, movement the Democrats hijacked this time. <laughs> uh, you can guarantee it. You know, uh, what riots are they going to say are okay? You know, yeah. for, although I don't think that they're going to be able to do that, considering. We're so close on 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 the uh, the one six thing, 
You know what I mean? That's that's too close. You know, they, we haven't had enough time to forget about it yet to for them to go ahead and do the same thing without us being able to go. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll see. Some yeah. guarantee you, someone's going to try to pull something out of their hat somewhere. So it'll be yeah. a, an interesting political and uh, time for the country for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for giving me your time and coming on to the show and uh, sharing a little bit about your story and uh, your successes uh, on, you know, whatever you've done. Because it sounds like anything you've touched, you've turned into a success. So kudos to you, man. That, that That's awesome. And uh, go ahead and plug any of your stuff that you want to uh, uh, do uh, that you want to share. Well, all my social media, Instagram, all the all the social platforms are at Andy Ross Rebel. Um my website is andyross.com, and then our American Rebel, our, our business and our company uh, is AmericanRebel.com. So um, go check out our products and check out my music, and I'd appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience, and thank you for having me on today. Thank you, and, and I look forward to uh, checking out some of your stuff now. I definitely want to go and look at your uh, your old um, the, the your, your hunting show that that sounds like it's going to be a, a good one for me to check out and replace uh because i i definitely binge the meteor and, you know it, it's I, I run out of stuff to watch so i'm definitely going to check that out so thank you andy and uh hang out right. just for a second because i'm gonna uh uh talk to you for just one moment sure all right guys um that's andy ross check him out uh andy ross.com and uh yeah as always, uh, keep it 100, stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.